Good. Good seeing you guys. Um, I have a quick announcement before we're going to dive in today. Um, we have our uh, Philadelphia mission trip that's going to be happening through Front Step Ministries in Philly, August 7th through the 13th. It is still not too late to be a part of it. They're having a very important meeting here in the sanctuary immediately following the service today with Leo. Leo's right over there leading that group. And um, you got to get some important paperwork filled out today, correct, Leo? So please make sure if you're part of that group or you want to be a part of that group um, to stick around for that. Now, I've had a couple people ask me over the last couple weeks saying, you know, I can't really go on the trip this year, um, but is there any way I can help? Can I help with gas money because the prices of gas is crazy or can I sponsor someone who's going? And the answer to that question is absolutely. Yes, you can. In fact, I think we have 16 registered right now. I think about half of them are, are teenagers from Fuse. Um, if you want to be able to sponsor someone, if you want to be able to contribute some money to help with gas for the trip and things like that, um, here's how you can do that. You can go online to our website and click on, on the giving button and just collect, uh, click on uh, Philly Mission Trip. And you can donate whatever you'd like. Also in the back, in the foyer by the offering box, we do have envelopes that say Philly trip, you could put in some cash or a check in there as well, and uh, you can give an offering to help support that. And I'm sure, Leo, you and the team would greatly appreciate that. Amen? Amen. Awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive in today. Um, if you're here today, we are in part four of this series, which we're kind of calling our man series as Father's Day is approaching, called The Age of Heroes. And if you missed any parts of that series, it's okay. You can always go on YouTube. You can catch up on past ones. But I'll give you a quick little recap. We began a few weeks ago by saying that each and every one of us, men and women, we've been given the heart of a hero. And by that, what I mean that God has basically put inside each and every one of us this righteous desire to stand up and fight for that which is pure and that which is true. And we talked about this idea of the hesitant hero. And we said that every hero occasionally feels, fears failure. In fact, that's one of the biggest fears that we have is the fear of failure. But if, that, if we hesitate, if we, and we allow it to kind of make us pause in our reaction, we're already defeated. So instead, we need to trust God and we need to be willing, in courage, to take a next step in our faith. And then last week, we looked at the topic of the passionate hero. And we said that every hero needs a cause to fight for. We need to, to fight for something that's bigger than ourselves. And we said that when we discover what that cause is that God has placed in our unique life, that it would blow our minds. And as we grasp that and as we start to trust God and be obedient in that calling he's given us, we will start to move from the smaller story of us to the greater story that God has for us. Now today in part four of this series, we're going to be unpacking the topic of relationships, relationships, especially between between married couples, between men and women, and, and what we're going to be calling the knowledgeable hero. Because in my 20-plus years in pastoral ministry, one of the most common issues that men have come to me to talk about are relationship issues, especially with the women in their lives. And guess what, folks? Knowledge matters in relationships. My favorite show growing up as a kid um, was G.I. Joe. And at the end of every G.I. Joe, they had it right when they said that knowing is half the battle. But before we begin on this topic of relationships today, let's, let's open in a word of prayer together. Can we do that, church? Let's pray with heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we just pray today that you would prepare our minds and our hearts to receive what it is that you want to teach us today from your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill this place 
that you would touch our lives, that you would speak directly to each and every person in here, man, woman, student, who's in the room right now, that you would speak to them and let them hear what they need to hear from you today. God, we pray for wisdom to know what to do with what we hear and the courage to take action, to apply truth into our lives so that we can step into the greater future that you have for us. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in week one, I, I joked a little bit with you guys about uh, chick flicks. Um, and if I'm being completely honest with you all this morning, um, I got to say, I, I, am, I really don't like um, very emotional kind of dramas like The Notebook. I, I think there's a lot in life to shed tears over that I don't need to watch a movie that's going to make me want to cry. I, I do enjoy, though, if I'm, again, being honest with you guys, I do enjoy the occasional romantic comedy with my wife. Um, th those can, are some fun date nights, and I look forward uh, to watching movies like that with her. A few years back, Mel Gibson and uh, Helen Hunt, I believe, starred in a romantic comedy called What Women Want, where this guy has an accident, and all of a sudden he can hear the thoughts of all the women around him. Now, I wasn't about to electrocute myself like him in the movie, but this week I did post a question up on Facebook, and I asked um, women to answer this question. And the question was really this. It was, what does every married woman want from the man in her life? Now, some of the answers were funny. I mean, we had, we had a lot of people who posted. Um, we also had some people who private messaged me as well. Um, we had answers like, uh, a man who buys me shoes. That was, that's one that came up. Uh, chocolate, lots of chocolate was another one. A man who does laundry. I was surprised by the number of women who listed chores and the sharing of responsibilities within the home. Uh, making dinner, dishes, laundry, vacuuming, putting the kids to bed. And then there was, there was also some, some kind of really deep kind of emotional answers, like um, someone who respects me, someone who will honor me, someone who provides unconditional love, a listening ear, values my opinion, security. One woman said, to be known, understood, chosen, cherished, and protected. I was like, wow. So we had answers kind of all over the board. And, and women, I've got to say, you are very beautiful and complex creations by God. Um, and, and I know this because you guys confuse yourself sometimes. You, you, you do. I've seen it firsthand with my wife, Julie. We could be sitting at dinner having a meal together, and all of a sudden, she just starts to tear up. And I'm like, what's wrong? Did you bite your tongue? Was the chicken curry too spicy? Like, what, you know, what's going on? Did, did the toddler stab you with the fork? That happened one time. Okay. And she's like, I don't know. She's like, I think I'm just so happy that I'm sitting here and our whole family is together at dinner. Or maybe it's because I'm sad because there are places in the world right now where there are kids who don't get to sit with their family and have dinner with them. I just don't know. Now, that's kind of weird. That's a little bit strange for us guys. Because you don't normally roll up on a dude who's sobbing and has no clue why. Usually, if you see a guy crying and you're like, hey, man, what's wrong? He wipes away the tear really quick. He's like, I'm okay, I just got stabbed, merely a flesh wound, nothing big, I'm okay. And some women, you're also kind of confusing about what you want. Your husband or your boyfriend is like, where do you want to go eat tonight? And you're like, oh, I don't care anywhere, you pick. He's like, all right, let's go to Kobe, let's go to Kobe Steakhouse, let's do that. You're like, eh, I don't feel, feel like Asian tonight. Or how about we go to Red Robin? Mm, burgers are too greasy. 
What about Texas Roadhouse? Let's do Texas Roadhouse. Eh, not in the mood for a steak. Finally, you're like, all right, fine. Where do you want to go then? Oh, anywhere. You pick. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Not at all. Some of you guys feel me on that, right? The smart guys didn't raise a hand or say yes. They just nodded. They just did a little nod. They didn't want to get in trouble, okay? But we can go in a lot of different directions when it comes to identifying what women want. But I think today I can actually unpack for you what most women want. Doesn't matter if you're here and you're married or if you're single. I truly believe I have a pretty good idea when it comes to relationships what every woman, almost every woman, really wants. When it comes to relationships, I believe that every woman wants to know this, that I can trust you and that you will love me and stand by me no matter what. That I can trust you and that you will love me and stand by me no matter what. Every woman desires a relationship where she has trust in her partner to stand beside her, believe in her, and love her no matter what. And men, guess what? That's a commitment we are called to give our wives by God, by God. Men, as heroes, we're not called to flee from conflict with our spouse, but to fight for our marriage and for our spouse. Notice I said to fight for our spouse, not against them. We, we looked at Genesis earlier in this series, and we kind of unpacked the story of Adam and Eve. But in the beginning, as God is creating the world, he continually pauses and he says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he makes the man, he makes Adam, and he forms this relationship with him, and they're bonding, and all of a sudden, God says something different. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so he makes a suitable helper for him. Now, how many of you are single here this morning? Can I see a show of hands? How many of you singles would like to get set up on a date with someone by God? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, absolutely. That would be amazing, right? Forget about farmers only or Christian mingle. God's got a perfect batting average when it comes to setting people up. So God introduces Adam to his amazing wife, Eve. God officiates their wedding ceremony, and he gives them a honeymoon in a beautiful garden. And it's just crazy awesome. Like, it's an amazing story. They were literally in paradise. They were naked. There was fruit involved. I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the Bible. It's steamier than any Bridgerton novel. You should read it sometime, okay? And when everything seemed just perfect in the marriage between Adam and Eve, that's when Satan decided that he was going to attack and that's his MO, church. The, the reason many marriages, including Christian marriages, fail in our nation today is because we spend way more time preparing for a wedding day, a single event, than for a marriage. And when we're unprepared, that's when the enemy, that's when Satan loves to attack. Because as we've said before, Satan wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And that especially includes you. That's why I won't marry a couple now unless they're willing to go through premarital counseling. I'm like, do you want to spend the time now to work on this? Or do you want to pay a divorce attorney a little bit down the road? Because the wedding is just one day. But the marriage, the marriage is meant to last a lifetime. And so it requires effort and hard work and care. And Satan's MO since the Garden of Eden is to attack, attack, attack the marriage relationship. 
And it doesn't take long after a wedding for your spouse to get on your last nerve, does it? Why does this happen? Because marriage is a magnifier. It magnifies all the stuff, all the baggage that's been there all along. See, when, when two imperfect people, two sinners get married, you don't get sainthood. A lot of people think that. They think, oh, marriage will solve my problems. No, it'll magnify them. It'll magnify them. Because when you get married, you don't get sainthood. You get a lot of sin and baggage that both people carry into the relationship that starts flying around. And those little quirks about your spouse that you thought were so cute when you were dating are now so annoying that you dream of suffocating them with their pillow in their sleep, right? Don't amen that one, by the way, okay? But for example, you get married and you soon learn their differences. Differences in how you use the toothpaste and set up the toilet paper and all of those aspects. I mean, there are differences in how you use towels. Oftentimes, uh, one person is a, is a one-towel person. They use a towel once, and then it gets put in the laundry bin. Oftentimes, it's three towels, one for their hair, one around their body, one to lay on the floor as they walk from one room into the other. And then it goes in the laundry bin, usually the women. For the men, we will often use the same towel over and over and over again until something starts growing on it and it crawls away from us because it's tired of touching our bodies, right? There's also financial conflicts that can occur. One of you might be a saver and you learned early on to, you know, you don't got a lot of money, you got to save, got to save, got to save. The other one's a spender, spending all the time and you have conflict there. There's family of origin conflict that happens because guess what? When you marry, you also marry into each other's families. It's kind of crazy and there's tension there. There's sexual tension. See, I just said the word sexual, and it got really tense in here really quick, okay? But married people get in the mood at different times. Did you know that? Women, how do you know if your man is in the mood? He's breathing. That's right. Absolutely correct. He's breathing. <laughs> Meanwhile, she might be in the mood every leap year. Or when he cooks, does the dishes, laundry, vacuums, and puts the kids to bed, which might happen once every leap year. And you're both going to need to work through those differences and those tensions. See, everybody gets excited about a wedding, but very few people prepare for a marriage. And so then they wind up getting into a lot of trouble. When Adam and Eve get attacked by Satan, they were unprepared. And so both of them wind up sinning and rebelling against God. And then God shows up and he's got some questions for them. Now, this was the perfect opportunity in the garden. God shows up. Where are you guys? This was Adam's opportunity to come clean, to repent, to say, God, I have sinned. I have rebelled against you. I ate the fruit. I went against your word. I'm so sorry. But what does Adam do instead? Genesis 3, picking up in verse 12, if you want to follow along, we'll put the verses on the screens as always too. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit to eat and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So did Adam believe in Eve and love her and stand by her no matter what? No. He threw her under the bus. That's what he did. He basically said, God, everything was good, and then you said it was not good for the man to be alone, and you brought her here, so it's kind of your fault, God. I think you should get rid of her. Then he turned to Eve and he was like, look, baby, it was fun while it lasted, paradise, fruit, all that, that was great, but you're on your own, girlfriend. Eve, to her credit, didn't throw Adam under the bus. 
She could have said, you know, the, the weak man, God, that you said was going to protect me did nothing when the creepy snake showed up. She could have said that, but she didn't. She, she actually took responsibility, and she said, I ate of the fruit. But how would you have felt being Eve? Men and women, put yourself in her shoes. Have a little bit of empathy for her this morning. And imagine yourself in her shoes, having your spouse completely throw you under the bus to God. So men, how can we avoid falling into the trap that Adam did? If we know the women in our lives want to know that they can trust us and that we will love them and stand by them and believe in them no matter what, how can we be knowledgeable and actually live that out in our relationships with the women in our lives. Today we're gonna to look at four things to help us with this mission. And I just wanna say, being completely open and transparent with you guys, as I, I told you I would be throughout this series, um, I am not perfect at any of this by any means. I am not an expert on this. Most of what I've learned has come from 22 years now in marriage, God's word, and some training that I had in counseling in marriage and family therapy. And I mess up often. Okay, but thankfully, thankfully, my wife offers me grace. She offers me forgiveness on a regular basis. But applying these four things can drastically change your relationships for the better, whether you're here this morning and you're married or whether you're here and you're single. So if you're taking notes, here we go. Jot these down. Number one, number one, before she's your wife, she's God's daughter. Before she's your wife, she's God's daughter. Let me start with a question. How many of the men in here have a daughter? Raise your hand. Look around the room. These are guys who could snap you like a Slim Jim at any moment if you mess with their daughter, okay? How many mamas in here have a boy? Raise your hand. These women can do the same, okay? Absolutely. Amen, women? Okay. If you mess with their kids, there's something, there's a fire, a righteous fire that will light up in a parent's heart. And there's something very special about a dad's relationship, being a father, I'll speak to that, about a dad's relationship with his daughter. And men, guess what? The women in our lives, they're God's little girl. They are daughters of the king of the universe. That's what scripture teaches us. Now with that in mind, let me ask you a question. Whether you're married or whether you're single, how do you think God feels about how you're treating his little girl right now? Married guys, if someone came into your home and verbally, emotionally, or even physically abused your daughter, what would you do? How are you treating your wife? Because she's a daughter of Almighty God. Single guys, if you're dating around, if you're playing and manipulating young women, how does God feel about how you're treating his daughter? Because here's what scripture teaches in Psalm 45. It says this, it says, listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. Forget your people in your father's house. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. Women, God wants you to listen up today and know that above all else, you are daughters. You are princesses of the king of the universe. That's right in his word. In the Genesis account, scripture teaches that you are the first living thing that God created that was not created from just the dust of the ground. Men and animals came from dirt. Maybe that's why some of us turn into dirty old men, I don't know. But women, you're special. 
Scripture defines you as a a masterful creation by God. And I I think God chose the rib bone because you were meant to be like at our side, like our partner in life, that we could put an arm around you and love you and protect you and we love each other and support each other and honor each other. Now let me talk to the single women. As Beyonce would say, all, all the single ladies, put your hands up. All right, we got some single women in here. Awesome. Praise God for our single women. Too many single women today find their identity and their self-worth in dating rather than in their relationship with God. And I know this because over the years I've seen countless women dating men that they have no business dating. Some of you are sacrificing real intimacy and connection with God for fake intimacy from a guy who's using you or manipulating you or abusing you. And I want you to know this morning, you deserve so much better than that. Maybe no one's ever told you this before, so let me speak to you this morning like a father as I would speak to my daughters. You're a daughter of Almighty God. You are a daughter of the King of the universe. He magnificently created you and formed you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose in this life, and you are so much more valuable than you give yourself credit. You are beautiful, and you have purpose, and he loves you. You're valuable. Married men, how do you view your wife? Because if you view her as just a trophy or something that you've won, you're going to have the tendency to put her on a shelf and chase after the next trophy. If you view her as a possession that you own, you're going to have the tendency to misuse and abuse her. But if you view her as a gift from God, as if you view her as a daughter of the king of the universe placed in your care, then you are going to honor her and love her and respect her and treat her with dignity and grace. Heroes, when you go out with her, she is a daughter of the living God. Treat her accordingly. Amen? Number two, if you don't lead your family, Satan will. If you don't lead your family, Satan will. One of the problems with some dads today, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is I think they're way too passive when it comes to leading their family. I saw this firsthand at Chuck E. Cheese. By the way, um, if you want to know if you're ready for kids, young people, go to Chuck E. Cheese on a Saturday morning, okay? It's like birth control for some of you guys. When my kids were younger, I I took them to Chuck E. Cheese, and um, one time I walked into a Chuck E. Cheese, and this guy, this dad walked in with three kids, and he looked like he was having a rough day, and he just released them and went and collapsed in a booth. No supervision. Two of the kids just went nuts and started beating the snot out of each other right in the middle of Chuck E. Cheese. The third one started acting out a scene from Slumdog Millionaire begging for tokens for everyone in the building. And while all this chaos is going on, I don't know if the dad was on Valium or something, but he just falls asleep at a booth, does nothing. I wanted to go up and shake the guy and be like, dude, you're making us all look bad. What are you doing? Men, we are called to be a spiritual leader in our home, not a controller, not an authoritarian, not a bully. We're called to be a spiritual, godly, loving leader. Adam fell into the passive trap. 
Eve and Adam are chilling in the garden. Satan comes and tempts Eve. But remember, where was Adam when all this was going down, church? With her. He was with her. Why didn't he intervene? If my wife is in our backyard doing some gardening and a talking snake shows up and starts chatting it up with her, I would have come out of my house packing some heat. But Adam doesn't do anything. And then on top of that, he just goes along and eats the fruit. And guess what, men? Guess who God holds accountable? Adam. Check out Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the who? The man. Where are you? Men, I believe God is asking some of us that exact same question this morning. Where are you when it comes to leading your family spiritually? And guys, I know it's hard. I get it. It's hard for me too. You know, I, I'm up here almost every Sunday speaking to you guys, and then I go home, and it's hard. It's hard because my wife is not impressed with me as the pastor of this church, okay? She's known me for 22 years. We dated for two years before that. She's known me for a quarter of a century. She knows all my quirks, all my flaws. She doesn't think I'm funny. She calls me on all my stuff, and she's not looking to be impressed with me. She's looking for me to come alongside her and serve with her in our marriage. That's what she's looking for. And guess what, heroes? That's what your wife is probably looking for too. Do you pray with her? Do you pray over her life? Do you pray with and for your children? Man, did you know that your kids would rather you prayed with them than any leader of this church? Did you know that? Almost every time when I take my kids to school in the morning, they say on the car ride, Dad, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me today? I've got a test coming up. I'm nervous about this. Our kids are hungry for that. They're hungry for that, moms and dads. Will you step up and will you be there for them spiritually? Are you a spiritual leader in your home? Number three, number three, it's not just what you say but it's how you say it. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Men, here is one of the things that we have to learn about women is that our words can carry a lot of emotional value for them. For example, two guys in this church might get in an argument. Maybe they start duking it out in the church parking lot and the greeter team has to break it up with tasers, okay? Five minutes later, those guys are sitting on the front steps with their arm around one another saying, man, that was so dumb. I'm sorry about that. Let's go to Wild Wings and watch the Celtics in the NBA championship. Let's go do that. And they're now best friends. Two women, a little bit different. Might go a little differently. They get in a fight, still be mad at each other in line at the pearly gates. What's she doing here? I'm going to have to talk to Jesus about that. Something's wrong. So, man, we have to be very conscious with the words that we speak to the women in our lives. Heroes, God offers us grace and forgiveness from our sins through his son, Jesus. It's our duty as men of God to offer the same forgiveness and grace towards the women in our lives, especially our wives and our daughters. We want to know, we want to know, are we loved? Are we valued? Are we accepted? 
Our wife and our kids want to know that. They want to know that we love them. We believe in them. We value them. We love them unconditionally. Scripture is clear about how we're to treat them. Here's what it says in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without any stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So men, after a conversation with us, do our wives walk away feeling holy and blameless without any stain or blemish? Your word should build her up, not tear her down. Your wife does not deserve to be the butt of your jokes with your friends and the subject of your complaints to other people. A man of God builds up his wife. He builds up his children with his words. Single women, if you're with a guy right now who verbally abuses you, makes fun of you, please break up with him. Like tonight. Tonight. Because it'll only get worse after marriage. Why? Because again, marriage is a what? It's a magnifier. It magnifies the stuff that's already there. It brings out what's already there. Heroes, men of God, your words matter. Now, some men are like, well, that's just the way I am, pastor. I'm just wired that way. I yell, I scream. Sometimes I got to punch a wall. And then I'm fine. That's just me. Well, sir, in all love and respect and sincerity, let me just say this to you. If that's you, then you stink, okay? Because here's the deal. If you went out tomorrow and broke your leg, you wouldn't limp around for the rest of your life saying, that's just me. I got a broken leg, nothing I can do about it. No, you'd head over to main med, you'd go to the emergency room, you'd get help. If you're angry all the time and you act out verbally and emotionally and physically, just like a broken leg, you have something broken inside of you and you need to seek help. If you don't know how to do that, come to us. We would love to get you some help. We'll hook you up with a good counselor. We'll help you to get help. Number four, number four, pursuit is intentional. It's not accidental. Pursuit's intentional, not accidental. Um, I've watched all of the five Twilight films with my wife, Julie. I am not into teenage vampire romance movies, okay? I would possibly choose a colonoscopy over a twilight marathon. <laughs> but I, I, I choose to do that because I love spending time with my bride. I love being in her presence. I love holding her hand. I love it when she leans her head against my shoulder. Those are the moments in life that I live for. Heroes, you're not going to accidentally pursue your wife and grow into a relationship with her. Pursuit is intentional. It's not accidental. Love and marriage require effort. And here's the good news in the Adam and Eve story. Based on kind of what we see in Scripture, despite everything that happened with them, it looks like they reconciled in their relationship. That Adam didn't abandon his wife. He continued to pursue Eve and their marriage. Last verse we'll look at today, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. But here's what it says. It says, Adam lay with his wife Eve. She became pregnant she gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. 
by all biblical accounts, Adam and Eve lived a very long time and had a very large family. Adam pursued his wife. He mended that relationship. Men, pursuit is intentional. It's not accidental. I I focused a lot on the married men today, but single guys, I want you to know this applies to you as well. And I hope you guys are listening this morning. Pursue her like the daughter of God that she is. A hero has courage. He has the courage to tell a woman how he feels. A pastor, she might reject me. She might turn me down. I don't know if I can handle that kind of rejection. If she turns you down, fine. Her loss, then you can move on, but at least you know. One of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life was having 30 seconds of courage to ask my wife, Julie, out on a date to a hockey game. Single guys, 30 seconds of faith and courage could change the trajectory of your entire life. Married guys, let me give you a little life application as we close the service. Do you wanna know how you're doing? Do you wanna know if you're actively pursuing your wife? Then ask her these two questions. Heroes, you might wanna write these down or put them in your phone right now. Question number one is this. What do I do that makes you feel valuable and special? What do I do that makes you feel valuable and special? That's a question you should be asking her like every few months. That's a good check-in question on your relationship. You might be surprised as to what she says. You're thinking candy and flowers. She's thinking dishes and laundry, okay? Number two, how am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a husband? That question could change your life. I asked my wife that question several years ago. It changed our marriage. I thought she was gonna say, you're the greatest husband of all time. You're Superman, you're a hero. What she said surprised me. She said, you're a good man. I believe you're a good father, you love our kids. But sometimes I wonder if you still love me because lately you don't have any time for us. And you always say, it's gonna be busy for just a little bit longer but that's a lie because it's been busy for years. Wow, right? That was eye-opening. That was a wake-up call. We talked some more. We started to make some life changes. Our time together, our communication, my work schedule and routine. We made changes for the sake of our marriage and our family. We started communicating much more with each other. We intentionally decided to invest in our marriage. We made monthly date night a priority. Every year, we made it a priority to go on one vacation that was just the two of us without our kids. Men, it's up to us to love and pursue and follow the example that Jesus gave with his bride, the church. Will you rise to the challenge of the call of being a hero of God and fight for your relationship? Will you view her as God's daughter? Will you lead your family spiritually with love? What words are coming out of your mouth? Are you building up your family with your words? Or are you always angry and tearing them down? Are you actively pursuing her? Does she know she's a priority in your life? The knowledgeable hero of God will rise to the challenge and reap the blessings of God. Can we pray together? 
Let's pray with heads bowed. Father God, I know, I know this message, this series will land in a lot of different places with people in the room, our men, our women, our students. But again, Father God, I ask that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard, wherever we are. And God, that you would give us the courage to do something with it. To not just come to church, get online, hear a message for 30 minutes and be like, that's great, on with my week. Say, hey God, how can I apply this truth into my life? God, I wanna be a hero for you. Help me to apply this into my life through the power of your Holy Spirit so I can make a change, so I can be a hero for you in this world, in my family, in my relationships. If you're here this morning and you, and you would say, Pastor, that resonated with me, whether you're a man, a woman, a student, God, I wanna be a hero for you. I wanna have healthy relationships. I wanna love the people around me. God, help me to do that. I wanna make that commitment to you today. God, I wanna be a hero for you when it comes to relationships in my life. If, if that's you, would you have just five seconds of boldness? Just lift a hand, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm making that commitment today. I need prayer in that. Praise God, praise God. Hands up all over the place. Many of our men, hands up in the air right now. Praise God. God, I, you know each person who responded right now, whether they're in this building or they're watching right now online. Father God, I pray that you would honor those decisions made this morning and that we would see the blessings and the fruit of that in the days, weeks, months, years ahead. That God, you would just honor that in powerful, powerful ways. We love you, Lord God, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Will you stand up now as we, as we continue to, to sing and worship God? If you've got things on your heart, maybe some areas in your life that you know you need to lay down, as always, you can come up to these altars and pray. You can pray exactly where you're at as well. God knows, he hears your heart, and he's with you. Let's sing together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
out there, uh, but let me pray for you all today. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity today to come together to worship and to sing songs and to hear your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give us the, the wisdom and the courage to apply these words to our lives. Lord, I pray a blessing upon each individual and each family here today. I pray that your presence, your spirit would be with them this week, that your peace would reside in their homes. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Go in the peace of the Lord. Amen. Oh, precious is the No, no. 